May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The reading is from St. Mark, chapter 14, the 32nd verse. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he said, Father, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. The title of today's sermon is um, How to Be Happy, and the title of tomorrow's sermon is Is There Life After Death? How to be happy. Um, Bob Dylan was asked concerning his views of happiness and unhappiness, and he said characteristically, happiness, unhappiness, those are yuppie terms. Now, um, that was funnier when you read it than it came out, but I want to um, commend uh, the new dean of the Advent. Uh, Andrew Pearson has a very sharp and delightful sense of humor. It's almost the most important gift that a clergyman uh, must have because it takes the edge out of the serious business of connecting with people about important issues. And um, his lightness of touch... Uh, is something really to encourage. And when he begins to at all fade humoristically, you'll know that things are very rocky. But uh, I commend any humorist uh, for his uh, ease of putting off an overly pretentious and intense manner. Now, what is happiness and how to achieve it? In recent years, I've spent a tremendous amount of time uh, reviewing unknown authors. Often authors who are no longer fashionable are not fashionable because they have very important things to say that nobody wants to hear. One of the most interesting unfashionable authors of all would be Booth Tarkington. And Booth Tarkington, whom you sort of heard of once, who wrote Penrod, is one of the most profound, mystical, and deeply inspiring of all American novelists. He is in the A-plus category of neglected literary wise men. But in the B-plus category is my personal fave at present. My personal fave at present was named Sloan Wilson, Sloan Wilson died 20 years ago, but he was the celebrated author of The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit. And Sloan Wilson was, in his era, the 1950s, considered a kind of uh, embodiment of uh, post-war American struggle to find a basis of life after the Second World War. And Sloan Wilson had a distinguished war record. And this sermon, which is about the roots of happiness in life, comes out of something that Sloan Wilson, 
a long-dead, completely forgotten, marvelous novelist, wrote concerning an event during the Second World War, of which he was the particular protagonist. Now, I'm going to read it. I know it's a drag when people read things in sermons, but I have to read the first part of it. He was a commander of a Coast Guard a diesel tanker in dangerous waters in the Leyte Gulf in 1944. And during uh, a staging movement to supply some ships with gasoline, Sloan Wilson's boat, of which he was the captain, came under attack by Japanese kamikaze planes. And this is what happened. I saw a stubby-winged aircraft coming straight at the bow of my ship. Passing not a hundred yards overhead, it began to trail smoke before it crashed into the stern of a large troop transport, which veered out of the convoy and lay burning dead in the water. A lot of men are dying over there. Picking up a pair of binoculars, I studied the flaming hulk. On the windward side of her deck, hundreds of men were lining the rail, trying to escape the heat and smoke. A few were already jumping into the sea. My assistant said, they'll wait till she gets a mile or so astern, and then more planes will close in for the kill. I said, we could come along their windward side and get a lot of men off without much danger. Sir, said my adjunct, we're carrying troops ourselves. We're not a rescue ship. I said, signaler, we're coming along. Sir, you can't go alongside a burning ship with a cargo of gasoline. Signalman? Yes, sir. Did you get my message out? I can't raise them, sir. Wait a minute. He's watching the troop transport with 900 men in immediate jeopardy of their lives as he, in a small little Coast Guard diesel tanker, is steaming towards them. Did you get the message out? Yes, sir. I can't raise them. Wait a minute. They're answering now. From the cloud of smoke, a bright light winked on the bridge of the burning ship. They got the message, sir, the signalman said. Here comes their reply. We'll comply. God bless. Now I'll get back to what happened in just a moment. This was a moment of extraordinary, actual, historic heroism on the part of Sloane Wilson, who's telling what happened. And I want to focus just for a minute on four words. To me, these words are the essence of what it is, what I can tell you from my own heart today, what it means to be happy in life. Will comply. God bless. Now, the first thing, that, 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 is a, that is almost a summation of all that a person would need to know to live a life that is not striving, that is not in perpetual conflict, that is not absolutely at the mercy of circumstances, and that is not locked into a perpetual antagonism with circumstances. Will comply, God bless. In other words, the tanker which was just about to capsize, said to the steaming uh, diesel coming to help them, said, okay, we'll, we'll do it. We'll wait till you get here. We won't make a move. God bless you. Now, um, 
the power of that is because um, who here complies? Do any of you really comply? I don't comply. I resist. I'm absolutely beyond complying. Um, the, 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 one of the things about, about theology over the centuries has been a great deal of um, theology has gone into a kind of articulate defense against circumstances, a kind of articulated way to defend myself against the reality of negative obstacle circumstances. And we learn from this jittery, instantaneous account in the Southwest Pacific a powerful truth about life will comply. Okay, if that's how you want to play it, we'll acquiesce. We won't fight it. So I want to just, uh, you and me, and what's the biggest problem you have? The biggest problem you have is that you don't accept what you're dealing with. Everyone here, and I'm the worst of them, I mean, I happen to be married to a woman who by nature, who by psychogenetic inheritance, complies. Maybe you're married to a person like that. You're not one. Um, but um, I just, by the, what Andrew said, in jocular fashion, I married a person who just grew up with people who basically believed the best way to go is to will comply. But I'm just taking a slug at everything. I'm just in perpetual antagonism and resistance towards what is coming down the pike. You know, um, William Hale White, who's a hero, uh, not somebody we talk about very much, as a completely unknown British novelist from the 19th century, he said that Spinoza had taught him the most important thing in life. Spinoza, the 17th century Dutch philosopher, had taught William Hale White, an Englishman in the 19th century, the acquiescentia mentis. Now that sounds like, uh, uh, what is that English, uh, Monty Python? Um, uh, <laughs> Life of Brian. Um, the acquiescentia mentis is having peace of mind, acquiescence of mind. And Spinoza discovered something that was most powerfully and concretely reflected in Jesus Christ's own manner in Gethsemane and on the cross is, Father, I don't like this one bit, but not as I want, but as thou wilt. And I guess I want to urge upon you the word will comply, because I'd go so far as to say that 90% of your problems have to do with a reluctance to accept the circumstances that are before you. Whenever I get quieted down and calm, which is about 12% of the time, everything automatically changes. It's amazing. I have a huge rant in preparation against concrete borders or boundaries between freeway lanes. I don't know if you've seen this, but everywhere today there are concrete boundary lanes, it's because of the concrete industry, that are separating what was once a beautiful little Lady Bird Johnson kind of thing with flowers, and now it's all these things for safety, and I get on a big thing. But every time I have a little bit of will comply, what I've noticed is that the boundaries get one foot shorter. As a matter of fact, when I was driving through uh, Kentucky with Mary recently, and I was actually having a little peace of mind about not uh, about will comply, I noticed that the state of Kentucky um, cooperated and had abolished all concrete boundary markers. It's extraordinary how your life will change if you comply. 
Consider it. Now, the second and final thing I want to say is I want to talk about God bless. Now, are we complying out of simple defeat? I mean, are we complying with the, 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 the cataclysmic tragedy or the tremendous eventuality or the profound character fault that haunts us? Are we complying out of sheer defeat? Well, partly. But notice the second part. This uh, troop transport captain said in a moment of absolute death distress, said, signal them back, we'll comply, God bless. Now, the thing about that is, I think that we comply best when we actually believe that God is good. I spent so much of my time trying to understand how God could be good intellectually when he plainly was not good emotionally. Uh, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I, I spent a tremendous amount of time affirming the goodness of God when the circumstances that seemed to be facing me were not good whatsoever. And I had a real change of thought. I talk about this in my book, The Panopticon. That's why I hope you'll let me sign your copy um, afterwards. Uh, but I really mean it. Um, we were strolling in Chapel Hill uh, on the 2nd of April, 2013, a place uh, to which we had not returned since the summer of 70. And um, all of a sudden, I was struck by the unity of my life from 1970 to 2013, and that what had appeared to be jerks and movements to the left and to the right and 90-degree angles was in fact a solid, clear line of the action of God, at least in this man's life. And it occurred in a mystical vision, because I looked up and I saw a gigantic galleon. This was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the old campus of the University of North Carolina. And I saw a galleon, and the galleon looked like that ship in Time Bandits, the movie, and it was creaking, and it going and all the springs and the windings of the contraption. And I suddenly said, oh my gosh, that's God. God is a contraption who, while he moves with grinding gears and a kind of ramshackle movement, actually had included the entire run of this particular person's life from cradle to that exact moment on the 2nd of April. And so, when I read that Sloan Wilson had heard this message, will comply, God bless, I realized that he was talking about me. And I don't know if he's talking about you. So um, I'm not going to be like Bishop Jakes, whom I admire so deeply, and ask you to tell me it and parrot it back. But say to yourself right now, we'll comply, God bless. And I might conclude by um, 20 years later, Sloan Wilson's estranged wife said to him, uh, Dana, did you really save the lives of 900 men? Something like that. And then he told her the story. They must have loved you, she said, his estranged wife. They must have loved you. Well, he said, they blinked back through all the smoke. A very short message. We'll comply. God bless. And I will never forget that. 
And she turned to him and said, If I ask you to love me, can I signal you that? Heavenly Father, deepen our acquiescence, not out of resentment and out of resistance, but out of the faith that thou art a good God and thou hast all of our ways securely in thy hand, even today, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.